between us In a river so deep We keep pretending That there's nothing wrong There's a code of silence And it can't go on I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting to the Matrix on November the 9th, 2009. I generally start the show off by advising newcomers to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. And while on that front page, bookmark all the other sites I have up and listed there for future use, because sometimes the big sites... Uh, run out of bandwidth or whatever, even though it's on automatic, and you can't find me. Because these all bookmarked, you can always get the latest downloads. And just to go over them, and it's very important, this because there's a lot of bogus sites out there with my name on them. Uh, and uh, you, you will, if you fall for it, so you end up donating and buying T-shirts and all kinds of things that I've got nothing to do with. So the only authorized sites there are are cuttingthroughthematrix.com, it's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com, J-E-N-K-N-E-S-S. There's cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca. There's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. And there's Alan Watt, sentinel.eu. Now, the Alan Watt, sentinel.eu one, uh, the European site has all the same audios as the rest, but it has the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks that I've given in the past for download and print up written in, in other languages and remember that you are the people who bring me to you no one backs me here and this is a seven day a week scenario there's no breaks here there's always a crisis one after another and it's, it's dealt with right here there's no staff that I can call on to, to deal with things so therefore it's up to you to keep me going because I don't sell products and all kinds of things that are going to uh, save your life and so on. I don't bring on advertisers to terrify you with scenarios, scary scenarios, and then offer you the solution which they'll sell to you. Because to an extent that compromises what I'm actually trying to do. And what I'm trying to do is just give you information of how the world really is. How it really is. I can't really tell you what to do about it because to be honest with you, it's such an old system this con game called politics and the reality that's given to the public it's been very uh, well put together it's intergenerational and those basically who set up this form of democracy as I like to call it never intended that the public have democracy, they always knew where they were heading with the world government scenario the kind of world they'd have and they favoured the Sovietized collectivist system in fact control the masses while there's a small fascist elite above them uh, living very, very well and owning all the resources of the, the world, the resources which we're all dependent on. And through science they believe they would conquer and they've done a darn good job of it, especially psychology and now they want to use narcosis on different people, pharma, big pharma, exactly what Huxley said would happen in the 30s. And he, he got it because he was in on the big think tanks to help plan the future. Those in power leave nothing to chance, believe me, nothing to chance. We have think tanks going over every part 
of the future according to their plans and possible reactions, what could go wrong, how would they deal with it, how would they stop it before it started, and all that kind of stuff. That's why they employ these big think tanks. They don't make mistakes. Because as I say, those who are in power want to maintain power for their own families, their own family genealogies to come. And that's how it's always been, really. But with advanced science, they're so far ahead of the game now that it's almost in the bag, and they know it too. Back with more after this break. Before the break there, it's up to you to keep me going, so you've got to either buy that which I for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com website or donating to me. And you can do it through personal check from the US and Canada, PayPal. You can order two from PayPal as long as you send a separate email along with the order. That's your PayPal. And you can also use MoneyGram abroad. That's outside America, as you should say and Western Union uh, or to send cash it's all up to you how you do it but you have to keep me going because really there, there's no breaks here there's no breaks at all weekends don't matter it's just another day to me and there's all this stuff going on to deal with and as I say you've got to make sure that the sites you go into are on cuttingthroughthematrix.com on the front page these are the only legitimate sites I have up there and just today I had a Twitter pulled, uh, someone put up a fake Twitter site with my name on it. And this sort of stuff happens all the time, but I know who does it. I know who does it, and so do the cops. And, uh, and other fake sites as well. So you've got to make sure you're into legitimate sites. There's a lot of dirty tricks goes on here all the time. All the time. And some people, I remember Bill Cooper, when he said that some people, his most ardent haters, uh, he was always getting emails from them, or doing dirty tricks and all the rest of it. And he's quite right, you know, the ones that hate you the most can't miss a show. You see, they're, they're really sick and they're obsessed. Obsessed with you. It's a stalker mentality, in fact. And rather than just listening to someone else, they just, they just hate you. They're, they've got a fixation. And then outside that, too, you also have the provocateurs that use others to do the dirty work so that they'll get the legal consequences that come back on them. And that's the sort of warfare that goes on all the time. All the time. So don't buy anything unless it's on cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. And as I say, I don't sell T-shirts. There's a company down in the States selling T-shirts, have been for a couple of years now saying that they donate to me and they don't so if you're paying for that nothing arrives here and again the cops are looking at them too for fraud and misrepresentation so these are the things that go on and it's up to you to keep me going because believe you me I think there's more money going elsewhere than arrives at this place here The New World Order, as I say, is on a roll. Uh, I've given lots of talks over the years about the agenda, not through guesswork, not through crystal balls, 
but right from their own works, from their own agendas, their treaties, their memoirs of uh, high-level bureaucrats and technocrats, as they call them. The technocrats are never elected. They're given more power than politicians. Politicians are just fronts. And that's why it shocks people who really believe in democracy when all the politicians seem to vote against the interests of the country, regardless of the parties. As I say, politics is a front. It's there to, to take tomatoes that you throw at them and rotten cabbages. That's what politicians are for. They're bought and paid for, and not by the public. Now, recently uh, we had Lord Monckton give a talk in the States, but he also gave a talk in Australia uh, in a radio show, and I'll put links up later at the end of the show so you can listen to it yourself. Again, he lays it out on the line. And um, I'll also say this is another article in the, the, I think it's the Washington, uh, Washington Journal. It says here, or Wall Street Journal, sorry, by Janet uh, Albrechtson it says um, we can only hope that world leaders will do nothing more than enjoy a pleasant bicycle ride around the charming streets of Copenhagen come December for if they actually manage to ring out an agreement based on the current draft text of the Copenhagen Climate Change Treaty the world is in for some nasty surprises draft text you say if you haven't heard about it that's because none of our otherwise talkative political leaders have bothered to tell us what the drafters have already cobbled together for leaders to consider and neither have the media that tells us again all we need to know right then Lord Monckton as he's given an address at Bethel University in St. Paul Minnesota earlier this month that made it quite a splash for the first time, the public heard about the 181 pages dated September the 15th that comprises the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, a rough draft of what could be signed uh, come December. Then it goes on to talk about what it contains. And you can find it. It's under, actually, the notes from the General Secretary. That's how they hid it, under notes. <laughs> because the UN has a... Uh, a page there on treaties. It's up to you to have a, a look at it and a search. So there's a scheme for the new institutional arrangement under the convention that starts on page 18 contains the provision for a government. It's talking about world government. They must give a new as yet unnamed UN body the power to directly intervene in the financial, economic, tax and environmental affairs of all the nations that sign the Copenhagen Treaty. And that is true. I've said it for years. When it comes to interdependence, that means that you will be totally dependent on the big boys for everything that you need to live. Your heating, for food, and for where you live, and all the rest of it. This is interdependence means total dependence on the system. But more so than that, I've got the carbon taxes, individual ones, and all of that tacked on. And I told you that would happen a year or two ago. Since the reason for the power grab is clear enough, clause after complicated clause of the draft treaty requires developed countries to pay an ad adaptation debt, not adaptation debt, to developing countries to supposedly support climate change mitigation. Clause 33 on page 39 says that by 2020, the scale of financial flows 
to support adaptation in developing countries must be at least $67 billion, or in the range of $70 billion to $140 billion per year. And how will developed countries be slugged to provide uh, for this financial flow to the developing world? The draft text sets out various alternatives, including option 7 on page 135, which provides for a global levy of 2% on international financial markets as monetary transactions to annex parties. Annex 1 countries are industrialized countries, which include, amongst others, the US, Australia, Britain, and Canada. To be sure, countries that sign international treaties always cede powers to a UN body responsible for implementing treaty obligations. But the difference is that this treaty appears to have been subject to unusual attempts to conceal its convoluted contents. And apart from the difficulty of trying to decipher the UN verbiage, there are plenty of draft clauses described as alternatives and options that should raise the ire of free and democratic countries concerned about preserving their sovereignty. So, and as I say, too, even goes on to describe where you'll find it. A note by the secretary, a note, you know, 180-page note, that's where they hid the damn thing. It says, interviewed by broadcaster Alan Jones on Sydney, Australia's radio uh, Monday, Lord Moncton said, this is the first time I've ever seen any transnational treaty refer to a new body to be set up under the treaty as a government, government, global government. But it's the powers that are going to be given to this entirely unelected government that are so frightening. He added, the sheer ambition of this new world government is enormous right from the start. And that's even before it starts accrediting powers to itself in the way that these entities inevitably always do. So it's a done deal, as we all know, because uh, there's no such thing as democracy. And... Uh, it's all coming together at the right time at the right time on the CNBC network you'll find from Asia news story it says here the dollar will be utterly destroyed Friday the 6th of November 2009 it says the dollar will get utterly destroyed and become virtually worthless says Damon Vickers I wonder if that's Lord Vickers son Chief Investment Officer of Nine Points Capital Partners. That's one of the, the top expensive ones. You can't even get into their site unless you can verify that your income is between $200,000 to $500,000 per year. We don't have resources. Neither does a lot of Asia, to be quite frank, because said to CNBC's Asia Squawk Box, countries that have resources, the Brazils, the Canadas, Australia... Your currencies are doing well. Well, he hasn't lived here because everything is getting hyperinflated. They call it quantitative easing. Vickers noted that the stock markets have done the best year to date. That's the dear stock. That's Canada and Brazil. <laughs> they have the stuff. He says, we've got resources. They export real things. The United States exports promises and pretty paper, he adds. Due to the huge wage disparities between the U.S. and the emerging markets like China, Vickers said that may resolve itself in some type of a global currency crisis. If the global currency crisis unfolds, then inevitably you get an alignment of a global world government. You get an alignment of a global world government. 
a new global currency and a new world order, so we may be moving towards that, he said. Vickers added that this is the time when investors should be making money when the trend is developing. Oil, oil looks higher, gold looks higher, currencies look weaker, he says. That's one of these snobby, snooty investment companies. But you don't really need them to tell you, do you? Because really, I've been, I've been telling about this for years. It's just now time to tell the public from the authorised tellers in mainstream media. No one really cares out there. Most of the public, as you know, don't really care. Back with more after this break. that's been given to you at birth, basically. And it's not just for you, it was also for your parents and your grandparents and great-great-grandparents as well. Every generation is given a version of it to suit those who rule, something that um, social scientists have been into and studying for an awful long time. And it's true, every, every system that exists is always there to, to serve a particular powerful elite who benefit at the top from the system they create. And after a little while, a very short time, the people think it's their system. It doesn't matter what kind of a system it is. They think it's theirs and it's all quite normal. And they'll even go off and fight for it when told. And that's just the way it really, really is. And they know, too, that people will adapt into the new system because it's going to be presented in such a way that your life isn't going to change that much because they're born liars at the top and we want to believe them. <laughs> That's how easily it works. And I've gone through how predictive programming works all the time through all the movies you've watched and, and how they give you a human story to, to grab you. You see, that's the hook. But really, it's the messages contained within. Look at all the disaster movies. They were put out in the 70s and 80s, even before that, as early as the 60s. I think one was called No Blade of Grass. And, and it was followed up by Soil and Green. And then later on, you had different disaster movies. And then you had the aftermath type of little bands of people killing each other for survival. And Mel Gibson's Road Warrior and then you had the, the, the postman, you had Waterworld. All these scenarios were to get you thinking about climate change and catastrophe wrapped up in a, in a human story, which you always, and you always identify with the hero, you see. That's how it sucks you, and very old technique. But it works very well, because after you've forgotten all about them, the, the messages have been implanted in your mind to get you ready. So that when you talk about, oh, my God, when catastrophe is coming if we don't change everything, it somehow will seem kind of sensible to you, even though it's really ridiculous. And before, too, I mentioned one called, it was called um, Final Cuts. By, I think it was Robin Williams was the main character in it. And it's about a time not far from now where at funerals and so on, is a character who acts like an editor, and he takes a little chip implant from your brain, and it's recorded everything you saw, everything you spoke about, everything you did is recorded like a camera and like a, an audio uh, in that little chip. And they put little bits together and play it back for the, for the people who are grieving at the funeral. But he's got access to all this data. And obviously the government has it too. They use it. But 
you can see how with the use of technology, and believe you me, technology is addictive. Uh, they know that, but all the youth, they knew that back in the 90s, this technology would totally addict the young who, who don't, don't, they don't know any better, do they? I mean, did you? Did you know just how, how important privacy was when you were so young? Did you ever think they'd look at they were watching me? Of course they don't. They don't believe they're being watched. They haven't done any. They haven't lived long enough to have done anything to be worth watching. That's how they think. And so they miss the point. It's not not about what you do. It's your whole personality has to be monitored. For a totalitarian world state, everyone must be totally predictable. And here's an email I got that ties in with this science and. Uh, and what's behind it and how they use all these free things out there Facebook and all the rest of it to do something that DARPA wanted done years ago he says I've just been listening to your October 19th talk by the end of the show you read from a new scientist article about a new camera that's supposed to log people's lives and which people even get to wear around their necks like with every other type of dog collar there is when I heard that it sounded familiar particularly the life log expression. That's where they call it life log. It says, see, life log is the name of a DARPA project, which was included in the total information awareness apparatus. Here's a quote from the Defense Tech article on the DARPA program. It says, the embryonic life log program would take every email you've sent or received, every picture you've taken, every web page you've surfed, every phone call you've had, every TV show you've watched, every magazine you've read and dump it into a giant database. All of this and more would be combined with a GPS transmitter to keep tabs on where you're going. Audio visual sensors to capture all that you see or say and biomedical monitors to keep track of your health. And I've got the link from DARPA when they first came out with that very term, LifeLog. It says here, in the meanwhile, the program was supposedly terminated. In fact, it was, of course, partitioned and distributed amongst private contractors. That's how they're doing it all, you see. And these big private contractors, by the way, are just extensions of the NSA. Real companies, but NSA and the CIA set them up. Most of the big boys are run by the CIA and technology. It says here, and now uh, here is one of its components for fun, games and all, uh, of course, to help the disabled and the elderly. That's how they always put things. Isn't it funny or scary, I should say, that these guys can pull this trick time and time again. It's for the elderly and disabled and want to help people. That is to create a military weapon tool, a militarized weapon tool, in this case for surveillance, and then sell it to the public on a piece-by-piece -piece basis via the market to supposedly help and entertain all of us. And that's how they do it. You can find the other components of the original LifeLog project spread around everywhere in all sorts of systems, internet and other communications, surveillance, smart meters, cell phone tracing, and now even personal health monitoring systems. We're back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I am Alan Walton. This 
Voices Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading a, an email that was sent by a listener, there's a lot of good information in there to do with the life log, life log, something that DARPA dreamed up. And they thought, well, how can we get the public to take it? That's why we know what DARPA is all about. So they simply farmed it out to their, their front groups. There's a lot of front, front private organizations out there, big ones too, real big companies. And they, it's all to get the stuff out into the public. When you think you're buying it from a private company, your, your awareness kind of drops a little bit, your sensory awareness, and you're, you're not so careful as you should be. And it's always sold to use a wonderful thing, wonderful thing. It's all to do with monitoring your life from birth to death, really. That's what it's about. So you'll give all your info up for free, and they'll know everything about you. But that's how it works. That's why they first came up with the term personal computer. You know, rather than say computer or, or network watched by government agencies, computer. No, they call it personal computer. Your personal computer, you see. Well, and you buy your personal computer, so it must be okay. I bought it. It's mine. But in reality, it's the same with television. I said they, they should really give them out free because they need these for propaganda. And with, with the computer, they need it to bring in their wonderful New World Order where everyone's monitored and all the other gadgets that link into it. You should give us it all for free, you know. But it works because buy it and say, oh, it's, it's mine. You know, it's obviously mine. I've got privacy. So I'll put this, this uh, up on my site too, this, this letter with the links in it, minus the sender's name. And um, you can look them up for yourself. This shows you how they actually do these dirty little tricks on the public and put them through private, apparently private companies. As you see, apparently private, because they're all funded by the big boys and the governments themselves. But as I say, we're racing into this whole new world order now. It's in the open. And most of the public don't mind. Don't mind. They, they won't know how they've come to the conclusion that eventually will rest somewhere in a grey matter. But uh, it's been, taken years of little bits of downloads, bits and bytes over the years of indoctrination and drama, movies, fiction, uh, news bits and bytes, and even novels. That's your higher, especially the countries that have cultural teams, that have departments of culture like Canada, they hire writers to write about the, the, the greening stuff. All the children's books are put out by these people with grants from the government. And uh, this, it's been that way for an awful long time. Now, here's an article about Charles Darwin. I've talked before how uh, all the, the big totalitarianists since Darwin's day have used his supposed theories, and they weren't his, uh, to do what the nasty things that they did, including the boys who run the world today, bringing the population down and getting all the wrong types off the world, you know. And it's from the Sunday Times, November the 8th, 2009. Charles Darwin and the Children of the Evolution. The naturalist outraged the church, prompting a bitter debate that still sets creationists against evolutionists. Now a sinister link has emerged between his work and the recent spate of high school killings by crazed nihilistic teenagers. It's interesting, this. Since you wouldn't know from the celebrations of Charles Darwin's life this year, that's all over television, that's sort of dramatic, fictional form, uh, that the amiable Victorian gent portrayed in those TV drama docs pottering around the garden of his home in Kent has been fingered as a racist, an apologist for genocide, and the inspiration of a string of psychopathic killers. 
the Darwin Double and, I should put in, and the Optimum Population Trust and all the other big ones, like Sir Crispin Tickle, Prince Charles Buddy, who's got a department on the, on the British government now, the same we've got to lower the, you know, bring down the population drastic, especially all the wrong kinds, you know, meaning the, the working classes. The Darwin double anniversary marks both the bicentenary of his birth and the 150 years since the first publication of On the Origin of Species has featured much vanilla hoopla. The Royal Mail issued commemorative stamps. Damien Hirst designed the dust jacket, blah, 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 about all the different things that they did. With hardly a mention that his name has been associated with some of the world's most infamous crimes of modern history. It's as though there had been an unspoken agreement to accentuate the positive role. There is an agreement, and it's spoken about, but it's in places called clubs. I'm off to my club, my club in London, you see, club. Certainly, the milk toast Darwin, played by Paul Bettany on the recent film, Creation, provided little hint there may be a dark side to the great man's bequest to posterity. The film focuses on Darwin's inner conflicts in the years leading up to the publication of on the origin of species. The scientist is reluctant to make his ideas public, not because he's foreseen dire social consequences, but chiefly because he fears that the theory of evolution will upset his wife and the Church of England, which is all bogus because that was the intention of it. In America, where Darwin's writings on morality and race have become under particularly intense critical scrutiny because of the enduring creationist debate, He's been accused of fostering moral nihilism and scientific racism, and even of promoting an ethic that found its ultimate expression in the Holocaust. Most startling of all, a connection has now been drawn between Darwin's theories and a rash of school shootings. In April, 1,000 people gathered at sunset in Littleton, Colorado, to commemorate the victims of the Columbine High School massacre 10 years on. Darrell Scott, whose daughter Rachel was the first of the 13 children to be murdered, whose son Craig narrowly escaped being shot, cannot understand why so little attention has been paid to the motivation of the killers, Eric Harris and Dylan Kleibold, and their interest in Charles Darwin's ideas. You can also tie that in, by the way, before I go on, with uh, the murderers, I think it was in Harvard, back in the 30s, maybe 20s or 30s, by a couple of the richest uh, students on the planet uh, to do with the Kern Loban company I think it was Leopold Loeb Leopold Loeb and there's actually they've been put movies out about them they believed in Charles Darwin and even believed it um, from their professor who also taught Darwinism uh, that uh, the ultra rich the elite ruling class had the right to commit murder but not the people below them they had a privilege to commit murder anyway it says here and by the way they did it <laughs> It says here, Harris wore a natural selection T-shirt, the killer, right, on the day of the killings. Natural selection. They made remarks on the video about helping out the process of natural selection by eliminating the weak. This is these killers. They also professed that they had evolved, evolved to a higher level than their classmates. I was amazed at the frequent references to evolution and that the press completely ignored that aspect of the tapes. Much of the evidence remains sealed under a court order issued to minimize the risk of copycat killings. But from those documents that are in the public domain, it's clear that Eric Harris fantasized about putting everyone into a violent computer game that only the fittest could survive. Don't you think that's what it's all about in the first place, computer games? You didn't know that, did you? 
And like Darwin himself, he noted how vaccination might be interfering with nature's weeding process, weeding out the, the weak. In his rantings, Harris said he wished there were no vaccines or even warning labels on dangerous goods and let natural selection take its course. All the fat, ugly, retarded, crippled, dumbass, stupid something heads in the world would die. Maybe then the human race can actually be proud of itself, he said. As attorney for the families of the six of the students killed at Columbine, the Denver lawyer Barry Arrington has come across more in a similar vein. I read through every single page of Eric Harris's journals. I listened to all of the audio tapes and watched the videotapes. It became evident to me that Harris consciously saw his actions as logically arising from what he'd learned about evolution. Darwinism served as his personal intellectual rationale for what he did. There cannot be the slightest doubt that Harris was a worshipper of Darwin and saw himself as acting on Darwinian principles. I should say, too, that anyone who really is into the Darwin truly believes in it uh, is capable of all this stuff, too. And these are the, these are the guys at the bottom. Now, you imagine that the, the, Chris, the, the Crispin Tickle boys at the top with Ultimate Population Trust and all the other big trusts up there working for the foundations and telling government they're going to bring down the population. They have the power to do it on a larger scale. You better really take this stuff seriously because they're doing it, you see. And by the way, they've been using injections not to save you, but to bring you down. They've even discussed it. I've given you the quotes from Lord Bertrand Russell, Bertrand Russell and others. He says, we shall use a needle and put stuff in the food, put stuff in the water. It says here, in 2007, detectives following up a tip-off about a planned school shooting in Pennsylvania discovered that their suspect often logged on to a social networking site called Natural Selections Army and a number of related chat rooms that were later tied by the media as a cyber school for killers. Hmm. Cyber school for killers. These sites were quickly shut down by their service providers, but today Natural Selection is the name of a popular computer game in which competing teams attempt to annihilate one another, a sign that Darwin's term is still associated by many teenagers with sudden and extreme violence. Natural Selection t-shirts have proved a popular line through web-based outlets, and it seems that the Columbine killers have spawned a gruesome personality cult. There's even a computer game in which players adopt the roles of Harris and Claybold, which features original CCTV footage of the killings. Amongst those reported to have frequented the original Natural Selections Army website was an 18-year-old Finnish student, Pekka Erik Uvinen, on November the 7th, 2007, in Tusula, Finland. Uvinen forced his teacher, his head teacher, to kneel down in front of him before he shot her with his pistol. He slaughtered further seven victims before turning the gun on himself. Some of the Jukela High school students afterwards described the way Ovenen prowled through the building, pointing his gun at people's heads. Sometimes he'd squeeze a trigger and kill them. Sometimes, after looking long and hard through his sights, he would suddenly turn away and let his terrified targets go free. One witness said he seemed to be choosing his victims at random, but in fact he was making a very deliberate selection. He was trying to weed out the unfit. Before he embarked on his shooting spree, Ovenen posted a lengthy apologia on the internet, styling himself a social Darwinist, just like Crispin Tickle. Sir Crispin Tickle, 
and all these top boys that have the power. And as you say, Mr. Rockefeller, who was on about it too, and Sir Charles Galton Darwin that wrote The Next Million Years, the descendant of Charles Darwin, who said the very same thing, they've got to kill off the unfit, or they'll outbreed the fit, like himself. Read the book yourself. Getting back into this article here, and talking about the Finnish one, it's shooting after the American one, it says, um, he said that natural selection appeared not to be working anymore, and had it maybe even gone into reverse, he'd noticed that stupid, weak-minded people reproduce faster than intelligent, strong-minded ones. The gene pool was sure to deteriorate if society continued to guarantee the survival of the second race. So he'd, he'd obviously read uh, Charles Galton Darwin's The Next Million Years, because that's what he was on about. He had pondered what to do about the problem. He understood that life was just a meaningless coincidence, outcome of a long series of random mutations, so there might not be much point in doing anything at all. But eventually he decided he would do his bit by becoming a natural selector, aping the pitiless indifference of nature. Often left a special plea for his motivation to be taken seriously and for the world, not merely to write him off as a psychopath, or to blame cult movies, computer games, television, or heavy metal music before concluding, no mercy for the scum of the earth. Humanity is overrated. It's time to put natural selection and survival of the fittest back on track. If he'd just written to the United Nations, he he would have found out they've covertly been doing it for years. Look at the cancer rates and all the rest of it. He didn't know, eh? Of course, it's not unusual for homicidal maniacs to cite great writers when seeking to justify their crimes. It says, oh, here he actually goes into it. The Chicago spree killers Leopold and Loeb. They're from the Kuhn Loeb and family. Kuhn Loeb is the big boys with, uh, with Schiff. I think, uh, I think Mr. Gore, his daughter, married one of the Schiffs, in fact, that uh, were sent over here by Rothschild. They set up a bank in the Central Bank and all the rest of it. So there are children here, Leopold and, uh, uh, and Loeb. The models for Hitchcock's 1948 film called Rope uh, claimed Friedrich Nietzsche as their muse, as did the Moore's murderer Ian Brady. Other deranged misfits have nominated um, Albert Camus, Jean Jeanette, and Andrew Gide. But it may take a keener intellect that was possessed by Harris, Klebold, or Ovenen to negotiate such a reading list. The basics of evolution are much more accessible and are taught in every high school, so it should not be surprising that Darwin seems to be emerging as the inspiration for the more dim-witted schoolboy sociopaths. And I'll add, for all those who belong to the big foundations, the very rich uh, schoolboy sociopaths at the top, who have the power to implement on a much larger scale. And I've got a link here, too, to the National Expositor. Very good, because it's to us, but the same topics as well. I've gone through the Rockefeller-funded genetics program. There's great philanthropists. The philanthropist that Weishaupt talked about, he said we shall create all these foundations which will really run the countries. And that's what they do. It's called the parallel government. And uh, Mr. Rockefeller still travels the world at 94, uh, parroting the same old stuff about killing off most of the unfit and all that stuff. The people that shouldn't be out there. National Expositor Royal, and they've been sterilizing people across the planet through different foundations, including the Gates Foundation. And 
I read the article about a month ago where the United Nations had sterilized, I don't know how many women, it wasn't in Chile, it was, it was multi-thousands of them, without their permission. And, and it outright lied to them too. But the National Expositor says Native Americans secretly sterilized under Bush senior program. Well, it's continued. Uh, so it's not a party thing, because there are no parties in reality. In 1970, George Bush Sr. started and ran a program to sterilize Native American women without their knowledge and against their will. And it says, um, the plight of Native American women. The purpose of this article is to trace the historical influence of governmentally funded sterilization from the beginning of the eugenics movement in the 19th century that was all coupled with Darwinism, of course. To see how this affects Native American women today, this topic will investigate the social prejudices and rationalizations for sterilization of the less talented members of society, advocated by the most influential social and biological scientists in American history. The science-based eugenic influences break through the lines of science into the world of politics, promulgating anti-humanistic views of poor women of color in the form of legislation fraught with bigotry and baseless generalizations. This political view flows through the judicial system, judicial system as courts apply eugenic philosophies in determining who should be sterilized and for what reasons. Then it goes through the story of how they've been doing it to American Indians all along. But it's not just to the women, but the guys too that bring their... That's why they put them on these awful, awful reservations in the worst places. But they were sure you to bring down their numbers uh, with disease and all that. So that's it. Back with more after this break. the matrix just connecting a few dots tonight and to show you how the world really is and uh, after this you can go back to sleep or surf the net and be happy doing the happy stuff that people do but some won't some will understand what's happening here it's from lifesitenews.com monday november the 2nd 2009 director of planned parenthood at 40 days for life birthplace resigns after watching abortion ultrasound. Brian Texas, November the 2nd, says it said here, she saw it being, the abortion being performed by ultrasound. I just thought I can't do this anymore, and it was just like a flash that hit me, and I thought that's it, said A.B. Johnson in an interview with local news network KBTX3. She'd been affiliated with Brian's Planned Parenthood facility for eight years and worked as its director for two she said she began to feel uncomfortable with Planned Parenthood's business philosophy after the organization, suffering from economic downturns, told her to try to bring more abortions in the door. Planned Parenthood. The money wasn't in family planning. The money wasn't in prevention. The money was in abortion. And so I had a problem with that, said Johnson. And then, of course, she witnessed the ultrasound of an abortion being performed on an unborn child. And that was the end. We go into the, the, the beginnings of it. Margaret Sanger, you have to look into her history. Again, a eugenicist, a Darwinist, and all the rest of it. And she believed in the survival of the fittest. She was an admirer of, of uh, the communist system. She was a great admirer of Adolf Hitler, too. And uh, she truly was an utter racist of the, of the top, you know, the first uh, quality, you might say, of racism. 
and she she wrote her own books about she all children were weeds she said she just had to weed them out you know killing weed them out and that's the great champion of the feminists Margaret Sanger at least there's some people who actually go along with it to see the light and get rather disgusted eventually and but you see what's interesting too is uh, most of these things are worked by bureaucracies above and you see that's how the communist system could pick up their targets bureaucrats would just take numbers and have them eradicated like eradicating them from their white paper at the bottom real people really kill people same with Adolf Hitler when you're just a number and bureaucrats deal with it it's completely impersonal it's just numbers and figures and not names and they're eliminated it isn't until you're up close and doing something like that that you personally have a choice to make but that's what makes it so efficient today bureaucracies bureaucracies and as I say it's just it's just going on and on and on and, and I'm sorry but the callers is a caller I've been waiting for ages I can't really take them but if he calls in tomorrow, I'll try and grab him. This last article is from the Washington Times. Uh, it says, aborted fetal cells used in beauty creams. So, see, there's business and everything. Right? These, these, these <laughs> evil characters at the top, business, e- economy, right? business, profit. It says here, <clears throat> San Francisco cosmetics companies that ignited an outcry amongst pro-lifers for including an unexpected ingredient in its anti-aging creams, skin cell proteins from an aborted fetus. This is Children of God for Life, a watchdog group that monitors the use of fetal material in medical products, called last week for a boycott of all treatments manufactured by Neocutis Incorporated, which acknowledged that the key ingredient in its productive line was developed from an aborted boy. Is there sacrifice for your beauty here? You always get something back for your sacrifice. That's what sacrifices are for. From Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.